For our sermon this afternoon, Mr. Barnabas Grayson, it is entitled, Quench Not the Spirit. hard enough. Well, today is, uh, what, day 49? Tomorrow's Pentecost. Am I right? <laughs> it was at this time, I guess, back in 1972 that my wife and I were baptized down in Ada, Ada, Oklahoma. And uh, this is the second time we were baptized. Of course, we were baptized when we were younger. She in the Church of God and I in a Baptist church. But uh, we came to uh, much more of an understanding of what the Holy Spirit is and what it does and how we receive it by the laying on of hands and so on. But just in case, we uh, were baptized again. In <clears throat> biblical mathematics, it's believed that the number 50 is um, connected with the Holy Spirit given to the disciples uh, on that day given to those who have accepted the message that they heard on that day of Pentecost when all the disciples were speaking in the miracle of tongues or languages now we know that the Holy Spirit is a gift a spiritual gift <clears throat> which has many parts and many functions I have at the house a box uh, two uh, two models uh, model kits you know the kind you got to get some glue and put together and paint and all of that. It's not put together yet, but uh, it's kind of like a gift that's in the box. And once you open it, you start putting it together, you have all these parts that go in certain places. And it's just like the Holy Spirit. There are certain uh, things that make up that gift. So the, but we also know that the gifts and calling of God is without repentance. I mean, you just can't give it back. Once it's been given to you, you uh, can't give it back because... Maybe you don't want it for some reason. So the gifts of the Spirit are many. And it is God who gives those, those gifts. In Ephesians chapter 2 and in verse 10 it says that we are his workmanship. That means we are his creation. Created in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus his son. Unto Good works, that is, for, created for good works, which God before ordained or prepared that we should walk in them. So when we consider the Holy Spirit, we know that it is given to us to fulfill whatever purpose that God has in store for each and every one of us. We all have different gifts, different things that we're good at, uh, talents and uh, other things. But we also see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.19 where it says to quench not the spirit. This is a warning by the Apostle Paul to the uh, church at uh, the Thessalonians. 
So the, this word quench <coughs> is from the Greek word shinumi, which means to extinguish or, you know, put out uh, literally or figuratively. Literally, it would mean to like extinguish a blaze or to extinguish a fire. Figuratively, and what it means to us is to not put out or to douse or to extinguish the spirit. And throughout the, uh, not throughout, but in uh, various passages in the Bible, we see that the Holy Spirit is compared to, uh, is likened to a fire. So there are many things that come along in our life that can put out the spirit if we let it to whatever degree. So the Holy Spirit is likened to a fire. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, it says that I indeed, and these are the words of John the Baptist, he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. They have uh, in, in the King James, it's ghost, but we know it means spirit. The Holy Spirit and with fire. And in Acts 2, where we read about the disciples on the day of Pentecost, it says, uh, There appeared unto the disciples cloven tongues like as of a fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages. Now this word spirit is from the Greek word pneuma. You've heard that before, and it means something like an air current, or a blast uh, of air, or a breath of air, or a breeze. And it is and by comparison, it uh, is a spirit. We know that God is a spirit. And the Father's Spirit dwells in the mind and in the heart of believers in Him and in the Son. So God is a spirit, and that spirit that He gives to us is given for a purpose for those who willingly desire it, who accept it as a part of their life. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 3, we see uh, this purpose given. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church. The manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access and with confidence by the faith of him. So <clears throat> Paul is saying wherefore I desire that you faint not, that you don't give up because of his tribulations for them, for, uh, for the Ephesians, which is your glory. So the Apostle Paul had a purpose that the Spirit was leading uh, in, in him to work out in the Ephesians that would uh, follow his words because he uh, taught Christ, preached Christ. Verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. 
that Christ may dwell, that word dwell implies settled and uh, at home, that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts, how? By faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, may be able to, you know, understand with all saints that uh, what is the breadth and length and depth and height, to know all those things, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, unto him that is able to do abundantly, exceeding abundantly. Now, like in the first message, he that knows how. That is able to do exceeding abundantly. And then above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. World without end. Amen. So as an introduction to uh, Pentecost. Let's look at the gift of the spirit that is in us. The power, the force that is in us. Now we read, we read where the apostle Paul said quench not the spirit. So that church was in danger of quenching the spirit, perhaps in a couple of ways. First, firstly, they may ha have decided that they wanted just to shut out the words that they hear. Didn't want to heed them anymore. Close their ears to instruction and things of that sort. Secondly, uh, they may be just suppressing their own spirit by doing things that they should not do. Doing th uh, thinking the way they should not think. And so extinguish or quench the Holy Spirit. In James chapter 4 verse 17. He says that to him that knows to do good. But doesn't do it. To him it is sin. It is transgression. So how many times have we in our life. Done things uh, wrong. When we know we should have been doing things that are right. And have in so doing quenched the spirit. Also in Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. Through 25, I won't go that far, but uh, it says in verse 14 that the law is spiritual. And Paul says, but I am carnal, I'm fleshly, I'm non-spiritual, sold under sin. But we know that this law expresses the Father's will for his people. But it's a spiritual struggle to always fulfill that purpose. It's always sometimes a struggle to do what is right, to say what is right. And to do uh, things that are right in life. So it's a spiritual struggle. But the law is spiritual. The word for spiritual here. Is pneumaticos. Which means non-carnal. The law is non-carnal. It's kind of like a substance that. Uh, you can't see. You can't hold it in your hand. And it's. Like the words of a song, it, it, it covers the land. It, it's like the wind. But it's something you feel inside, like faith, like love, like hope. But we are carnal and unspiritual at times because we often seek our own will and what pleases us in the moment. So we do things that can be unseemly, things that can be rude, things that can be unkind, sometimes inconsiderate. And we say and do things we shouldn't because we extinguish 
the spirit. We quench the spirit. We put out the fire of that spirit. And even with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we sometimes let our carnal thoughts and deeds overcome the Holy Spirit's direction. Because we know that the Holy Spirit is not, is not some entity that's going to grab you at the nape of the neck and shake you until you do what's right. doesn't twist your arm. It has to be of the own free will that we follow the spiritual law of God, his direction. We also know that the law is good, that the law is just, that the law is holy, but sometimes we just go against it, quenching the spirit. So our human nature takes over in so many ways, contention and hate and vanity and pride and boasting and unkindness and envy and things of that sort. Now in verse 15 of Romans chapter 7, Paul said, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. So what he's saying is that the thing he does is what he doesn't allow himself to do, but he does it anyway because he's carnal. For what I want to do, Paul said, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Have we ever been in that situation? You know, you, uh, after you do, you do, do something that you know is uh, obviously wrong, you kind of slap yourself on the uh, top of the forehead and say, you wish you hadn't done that or said that. So we quench the Spirit of God. Verse 16, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. So we all know, of course, uh, we all know to do right. The law tells us not to steal. It tells us not to commit adultery or to lie. We know better than to do those things. But there is, it is in every person a predisposition to transgress the law of God. That is, to sin. Verse 18, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. <clears throat> so Paul is pouring out his thoughts on all of these, these things that are going through his heart and through his mind. We know that there is none righteous. All come short of the uh, glory of God. <coughs> so he, in verse 21, 21, he finds then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I think by uh, last week I had uh, wasn't able to come, and so Steve took over. He he also said he had been suffering the same thing through that week, and uh, <clears throat> so I'll probably be drinking a lot of water between now and uh, four o'clock or five o'clock. Excuse me. <clears throat> Why it's good. <coughs> you get this tickling. You get this tickling in your throat. You know, some loose fingers in your throat and makes you want to just cough, cough it out. <clears throat> I've been doing that every morning when I get up, and I thought uh, maybe today I wouldn't have to uh, resort to drinking a lot of water. But Paul is saying, I find a law 
that when I would do good, evil is present with me. It's like you know, sometimes the, the cartoon or the, the movies where you have on one shoulder, on the other side of the shoulder, some, uh, the good, th good person, the good thoughts telling you what to do, but the other side is going against all of that. But we delight in the law of God because we know it is good. We delight in the law of God that is after the inward man. But Paul again says, I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then he says, O wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death. And so we come to this realization that he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because, you know, he is our advocate. He is our high priest. That when we fail to do something, live up to the expectations of God, we have Jesus Christ. So, <clears throat> then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. When a person, you know, repents and is buried in the waters of baptism, and he has a laying on of hands, he or she receives that promised Holy Spirit from the eternal, the almighty God. He or she becomes a begotten child of God. So at one time in our past, we can look back upon that day of our baptism and realize that we had that spiritual birth that is to lead and guide us in the way that we should go for as long as we live. So she be, uh, he or she becomes a begotten child of God, having received the spirit of life, the spirit of God. <clears throat> By the way, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is, you know, is not a person as, as many think. And let's go over to John chapter 14. Where Jesus told his disciples in verse 15, it's, he said, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, I will, that is, I will, I will ask the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. And that's the a word uh, from the Greek part, ekletos, which is an intercessor, a counselor, an advocate, a comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So when you see these pronouns like he, you think, well, it's talking about a him or a person. Verse 17, even the spirit, or the pneuma of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and shall be in you. So we see that society, or the cosmos, does not accept that spirit of truth. They do not see it, they don't understand it, uh, or what it's all about. But you know him. He dwells in you. So most would agree that God the Father and Christ the Son are two distinct persons. But when it comes to explaining this comforter, the spirit of truth that is living in you, it, it, it's seen as a third person by some as a third person the Godhead. Now we know that there is a doctrine called the Trinity where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is each God each of God yet this subject of the Trinity is still puzzling even to those who profess and preach the Trinity as a truth or as a doctrine and it's 
pretty much summarized as an absolute mystery by some, by some people. I'll quote from a, a book, of The Holy Spirit, uh, written by uh, Billy Graham a long time ago, back in 1978, Warner Books, pages 21 to 34, where he says, we accept the fact that the Holy Spirit is God as much as God as God the Father and God the Son. But when it comes to explaining it, we are at a loss. Later, he adds that the elements of mystery in this make it difficult for the human mind to comprehend fully. So we see that even though many believe in it, it's kind of hard to explain. So we ask ourselves, well, how do we, how do we explain it? So it helps to know just what is the Holy Spirit and why it is called he. Now, there was another Christian apologist who, who stated uh, about this Holy Spirit. He, uh, Richard DeHaan, the Radio Bible Class booklet, 1973. He said of the Holy Spirit, he might be called the neglected person of the Godhead. So the Holy Spirit is seen as a person, is seen as a, a, a he or a being. But in order to understand and explain it, it helps to uh, know what is the Holy Spirit and why it is called he. Now I know we have some booklets over there that you can look at for more details about how the Spirit uh, is. And uh, the, uh, there was a, a paper that... Uh, I think Reggie gave us one time that explained uh, this uh, trinity. <clears throat> now in John 14, I'm going to go back to there. Uh, we need to know that the New Testament was written in Greek. And the rule is that pronouns like he or she or, or it must agree with the nouns they, that they refer to. You know, a noun is like a person or it's a place or a thing. Now in John chapter 14, uh, verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father, I will ask the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So in Greek, the word for comforter, we know is parakletos, which is a masculine noun. So the pronoun he must be used in reference to it. But comforter does not mean it's a person. It is speaking about the spirit of, of God. Chapter uh, 14 verse 17. In reference to this. To the comforter. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it sees him not. Neither knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you. And shall be in you. And the Greek word there. Uh, for spirit is pneuma. Neuter noun. It's not masculine. It's not feminine. It's not a he or a she. So we say it is an it. So wherever you see those pronouns, him, you know, you just put in, uh, put in the article or the pronoun it. And that describes what uh, the spirit is. Pneuma, as we know, means breath. Like a blast or a, a breeze. And it also denotes a disposition of mind. Rather than something that, can, that one can see or one can touch. <clears throat> Correctly translated. Some of you may have the, uh, the uh, Bible that is uh, uh, 
written by uh, Craig Coulter, verses 16 and 17, says it should read, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that it may uh, abide with you forever. And the word it, we see, is in reference to the comforter. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because uh, it seeth it not, neither knoweth it, but you know it, for it dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. So the use is use of this masculine pronoun, him, that makes one think, well, this, this the comforter is a person. A Holy Spirit that dwells in us is a person. Romans chapter 8 is the Holy Spirit chapter. And we here we see that the correct pronoun used in reference to the Holy Spirit and comforter. For as many as are led by the Spirit, the pneuma, the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So those who are being led are his children. <clears throat> Verse 15, for you have not received the spirit, or the pneuma of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit, or the pneuma of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is a, a Greek and English transliteration of the Aramaic word for father, and which tells us that we are in a close family relationship. The spirit, verse 16 it says, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit, Numa, that we are the children of God. So we see here man has a spirit too. Referring to our nature and to our character and to our disposition of mind, which is often carnal and contrary to the Holy Spirit at times. Verse 5, it says in Romans chapter, five, uh, chapter 8, verse 5, they are after the flesh, they that are after the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. To be carnally minded, it says, is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And the carnal mind, we know, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That's because human nature tends to be uh, disobedient, tends to be rebellious. And not accepting of God's uh, spirit. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse uh, 20. Uh, but you have not so learned of Christ. I may have gotten the scripture. Chapter 4 verse 20. Yeah, verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him. And have been taught by him. As the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning. The former conversation. The old man which is corrupt. According to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your. Your mind that you put on the new man. Which after God is created. In righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore it says. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You know, we deserve uh, honesty. We deserve uh, truth spoken our way. And be you angry and sin not. You know, everybody gets angry sometimes. But it says here, 
to not let the sun go down upon your wrath. You have to get over that anger before the day is through. And neither give place to the devil. Well, you might ask, well, how do we uh, not give place to the devil since we are carnal and since we are unspiritual sometimes? How can we win that battle? Galatians 5, it says in verse 25, I don't have this uh, up here uh, on the screen, but if we live in the spirit, it says, let us also walk in the spirit. So by walking in the spirit is how we do not give place to the devil. And the other way is Romans 12, 21, where it says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And third, by resisting temptation. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, To submit yourselves therefore to God. Sometimes it's hard to just, you know, uh, submit to the righteousness of God. To knowing, uh, to doing good. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And uh, verse 8, Draw nigh to God and he will draw Nigh to you, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 14, says that every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, that when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. And then we have verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So uh, James is concerned, just like Paul, is to not, for one not to quench the spirit. Back in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, it says, uh, To him that stole, to steal, no more, don't steal anymore. But let, rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give him that needs. And let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says that, uh, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Verse 9, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, has its home in you, is settled in you. But if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Here's what the Spirit can do in our life. The Spirit also helps our infirmities. We know not what we should pray for, for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart, no, And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints. So we have that, you know, whenever uh, we need, whatever we need, whatever desire. Uh, 
God makes an, uh, we have an intercessor, an advocate, excuse me. Verse 28, <clears throat> scripture that should probably we know a lot about. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called, who are the called according to his purpose. So the spirit is life giving breath, just like, you know, when you first breathe life into physical life into Adam. So the breath of life is given to those who accept Christ, who believe in God, who believe in the uh, promises of everlasting life. On the day of of Pentecost, you remember how those uh, who said, uh, uh, who asked the disciples, well, how then can we be be saved? And, And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and that the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as our Lord shall call. <clears throat> and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles that walk in the vanity of their mind. We know that the Ephesian church was uh, composed of Gentiles who had once walked in the futility of their mind having the understanding darkened. Verse 30 and there it says grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby you are sealed. So the Holy Spirit have is our sealing unto the day that we are redeemed, to the day of redemption. So let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, all of those carnal things be put away from you with all malice. And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Remember in John where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and, and the life that you know, a person cannot come to uh, the Father but by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Let's drop on down to Acts chapter 2. Skip over some of these other, cha- uh, other uh, <clears throat> verses. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up with the 11 disciples <clears throat> He lifted up his voice and said, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, hearken to my words. Verse 17, It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. We know that there was a confusion of languages that happened at Babel which hindered you know, the spread of the gospel, the godly knowledge and instruction. But it was through the miracle of tongues on the day of Pentecost <clears throat> that there was an awakening to the Holy Spirit and to the power and to the force 
of God that he was giving as a gift that man that all mankind could live by <clears throat> verse 18 and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy I will show wonders in heaven above signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we see a promise that when we see these things happen or when others who hear this word, uh, come, these words coming to pass, then they can know that whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. <clears throat> Second Timothy uh, verse 1. Paul is encouraging Timothy here to uh, stir up the spirit. Verse 7 it says. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not that you therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Nor of me his prisoner. But be you partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. According to the power of God. We know that the Christian road is not easy going. Because when afflictions and persecutions and all sorts of troubles and trials come our way. You have to stir up that spirit because it's probably the first. It's the, usually the first thing we uh, know. We look to God. We pray to God. We ask God's help. <coughs> and be filled with the spirit. <coughs> and how do we do this? Ephesians chapter 5. It says. Verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making holy melody to your, uh, in your heart to the Lord. So communication with one another, we see. Helping one another out. Listening to words of encouragement and, and inspiration in some, uh, in some way. Singing praise to the Lord. Giving thanks to the Father. <clears throat> giving thanks always for all things it says in verse 20. <clears throat> Unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So instead of quenching the spirit when trials and troubles come along. We stir up the spirit. Second uh, Timothy 1. <clears throat> Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. In 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to uh, skip some of the scriptures in between. 1 John uh, 4, it says that no man has seen God at any time if we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. So how do we know that he dwells in us? It says in verse 13, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given the spirit, his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. So verse 15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he in, in God. 
drop uh, down to Matthew 26. Uh, I want to read Matthew 26. We uh, says to watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. So we see how prayer enters in into our life that we have to do that if we want to uh, want the spirit to work in our life. If we want the spirit uh, to dwell with us and not be quenched. <clears throat> uh, Ephesians chapter 5 go down see then in verse 15 see then that you walk circumspectly that is you know cautiously <clears throat> prudently not as fools but as wise in other words you know just be careful how you live redeeming the time because the days are evil wherefore be you not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess. But be filled with the spirit. You know that's the purpose. For which we have the spirit. Is to grow in grace. And in the knowledge of Christ. The knowledge of God. And be filled <coughs> with the spirit. I apologize for the uh, brevity uh, of this. Perhaps that's good news. For some of you but. <clears throat> Let me conclude with just uh, three things here. <clears throat> One that we should remember. Purpose for the words of this sermon. Is to be filled with the spirit. And to not quench the spirit. And to not grieve the spirit that dwells in us. And to be thankful that at one time uh, far past. <clears throat> on the day of Pentecost, we were given the gift of God. So, quench not the spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, <clears throat> 19. <clears throat>